0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 331 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Friday, July 30th, 2021. It is about to be August, which means all of the college sports seasons are right around the corner. But we have to talk about recruiting, we have to talk about the NBA draft. We have lots of little tidbits to get into today. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. I am uh, coming to you from uh, somewhere out in the in the wilderness in Colorado, where I am uh, visiting for the weekend. And Donald Wine is unfortunately not with us today, but Jason Evans is. Jason Evans, Atlanta Hawks fan, and so now Jalen Johnson fan once again. Jason, good morning. How are we doing? I'm
1: doing pretty well. Yeah, my Atlanta Hawks. I think they they did a very nice job in the draft last night, picking up. Jalen Johnson, where they where they got him. So I'm I'm pleased. Um, I know there are a lot of Duke fans that feel conflicted about Jalen Johnson, but from the standpoint of, as a Hawks fan, I am quite happy that they got what appears to be a top ten talent with the twentieth pick.
0: There you go. So we will we will get into the draft. We have to talk about Jalen Johnson going twentieth to the Hawks. We have to talk certainly about. Matthew Hurt going undrafted, and then also DJ Stewart's situation getting a summer invite uh, to the Sacramento Kings, and and we'll we'll dive into what that means for him. But before we get to that and any other news, I think the biggest news for Duke fans this week is that four-star prospect Kyle Filipowski, who we have discussed before on this show and who we speculated may be the first commitment of the John Shire era, has committed to Duke. He posted uh, a couple photos of himself. On social media the other day, wearing a number thirty Duke jersey, which is of course John Shire's number, he becomes Shire's first commitment. We know that Derek Whitehead might be uh, committing to the Blue Devils in the next couple of days, although we're going to wait and see on that. Philipowski right now is rated as a four star recruit across uh, most of the recruiting services, but a lot of the speculation from this summer is that he is about to make a big leap—the Duke commitment and his offer sheet and his offer list. Yeah, is probably indicative of, of a better talent than where the recruiting services have him ranked right now. So, Jason, I will ask you then, what does the signing of Filipowski mean? Let's start small picture on, on what he means specifically for Duke, and then we can talk a little bit bigger picture about what he means for the John Shire era. So, yeah, so yeah, tell certainly. me a little bit more about Filipowski. I know we've discussed him before, but, but remind us sort of what kind of player he is.
1: Right. So so folks are going to see that in the next set of recruiting rankings that come out, uh, you know, after the EYBL and the other summer showcases for these AAU teams that Kyle Filipowski rockets up the rankings. He's probably I would guess he's going to be a top 20 recruit in virtually every one of the recruiting rankings. And they're going to be people who are going to say, oh, it's the you know, the Duke effect, the Duke PR effect, the fact that he um, picked Duke and the fact that Duke was after him caused the recruiting rankers to move his ranking up, you know, not because of his play, but because of the school he's associated with. I want to let everyone know that that is a complete and absolute bunk in this case. This kid has been playing great basketball over the past several months, especially at these summer you know AAU showcase kind of events. And he is rocketing up the rankings even before he picked Duke. Uh, he had offers from Kentucky. Michigan, North Carolina, a host of other schools. The ones he was probably considering the most were Ohio State, Syracuse, and Indiana, because those are the schools that he visited. In addition to visiting Duke, but the fact that Kentucky, Michigan, North Carolina, and other heavy, heavy hitters made him offers shows you that this kid is a legit big time basketball prospect. Um, he's six eleven. He's a stretch four. He could play center. You know, obviously at six eleven, he could play center if you want him to, but but he's more of a stretch four. Um, He's about 230 pounds. They say he's added a bunch of uh, pounds of muscle to his frame recently. And they say he's gotten a lot more athletic as a result. He is unbelievably skilled. I I mean, this is a guy who can handle the ball, make good passes, face up and shoot from out to the three point line. He can score in the post. He penetrates and scores, you know, his range. By the way, at, at the EYBL at the at the Peach Jam. He hit better than 46% of his threes. Um, he had only 13 three-point field goal attempts, but you know, in eight games. So it's not like he was shooting a ton of them, but shooting, you know, one and a half three pointers a game and hit almost 50% of his threes. That's a big number. That's great. He averaged 13 points per game, eight rebounds per game, and 3.8 assists per game at the EYBL. We are talking about a multifaceted player playing against the very best high schoolers in the country. And he's hitting threes. He's scoring in the post. He's getting eight plus rebounds per game. He was like the fifth or sixth leading rebounder at the entire UIBL and almost four assists per game. That shows you he is not a classic run, jump phenom, but with his shooting skills, with his ball handling skills, uh, you know, he, he would, he's going to be absolutely lethal in the pick and pop or the pick and roll. Uh, I, I, I'm incredibly excited about this kid. And, and again, because he doesn't have the, automatic run jump athleticism he's a good athlete but he doesn't have like the eye-popping athleticism that you sometimes see from top 20 recruits I, I think there's a decent possibility it's early to speculate in these things there's a decent possibility this is a kid who's at Duke for more than one year
0: and even if even if he is you know a multi-year player if he's not a one-and-done guy it still sounds like he's talented to not just fill out the roster, but, but potentially even be a starter next year, especially with his size. And and Duke is going to, if we think really quickly about the roster situation that he's going to walk into that we know about right now, Paulo Bancaro, Mark Williams are going to be holding down the post for, um, for Duke this season. I think, we can reasonably expect that both of those guys are going to be entering the NBA draft at, at the end of this coming season. So post play is post minutes are going to be wide open for Duke next year. I would not be surprised if Duke goes after multiple transfers, obviously Theo John is on the roster this year, but he's also going to be done after, after the one year. So, and and Bates
1: Bates Jones is another guy who's on the roster. Basically all all, all four of our big men are, it's virtually they'll be gone.
0: Yeah. So, so Filipowski has, has plenty of space. And, and the nice thing here is that it seems like he's the sort of player that can work on multiple different rosters and doesn't need a specific set of players around him. He's going to be, you know, he's big enough to, to play center in most situations, not a center like Mark Williams. He's not going to, to eat up space exactly the same way, but he has size and in the modern game, uh, he's going to be very effective in that way. But if he's playing, if he's playing the four, Next to a more traditional big I think that's also going to work for Duke so so John Shire certainly has a player who is excited to come to Duke he said all the right things of course. Uh, when when asked about it yesterday and in, in his commitment, but uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by the, the type of player that he is I wasn't I don't think I was as excited. Initially on, on Duke's pursuit of him because he wasn't as top flight of a recruit, but it does seem like his performance this summer has really has really brought him up into that elite tier. Then the other thing that I wanted to talk about here was was sort of the the macro impact of, of a recruit like that being Shire's first recruit. He said that um, he, he wasn't concerned about the fact that Coach K is retiring, that most of his recruitment was going through John Shire anyway. So my impression is that this is exactly the sort of thing Duke was going for when they decided to, to make John Shire the head coach in waiting. And so it's all just flowing very seamlessly. We talked about how uh, Tommy Amaker potentially had had the opportunity to to get the job, but would have had to come back to Duke and and be an assistant this year and recruit for exactly this purpose. So Jason, do you, do you get the sense that that this commitment from Filipowski is sort of an early sign that things are working for the, for the regime that is, that is turning over next year?
1: I mean, yeah. How can it not be? There are not a lot of guys ranked higher than Kyle Filipowski who've already committed. I mean, I know that we, we start looking at next year's recruiting um, you know, in the spring, uh, especially, but, but most of the recruits are going to announce their decisions in the fall. And here we are in the summer and Duke's already landed one of the, you know, fastest rising guys in the class who, who all the heavy hitters were after, uh, coach K by the way, uh, didn't even go out on the recruiting trail to, 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 to meet with Filipowski to, to attend any of these, you know, summer AAU events. He is leaving that 100% to John Shire. I am sure that when guys come to campus to visit, <laughs> they spend some time talking to coach K. There's no question about that. But but, but they're not really, but they're not going
0: to be playing for him. So right. it's, but he's gonna it's be around. less it's less pertinent um, right. for them to have a, a direct relationships with.
1: Him. Right. But he'll be around the program and I'm sure he wants to feel connected to them. Um but but yeah, this is this is absolutely this is 100% a John Shire recruit and and it's a great sign. For Duke that, that Shire has, has shown um, that you know, among the top players out there, there's no hesitation about the transition that's happening in the Duke program. Um, and, and, and we expect and hope and think that we're going to get um, you know, an even higher profile recruit uh, this weekend from Derrick Whitehead, who's going to announce in just a couple of days. Hey, hey, Sam, there was one other thing really quick that I wanted to mention uh, about Kyle Filipowski that's sort of interesting, and, and we need to see how this plays out. Um, uh, he could be part of a package deal. Um, he has a twin brother named Matt, who is also a, a fairly decent prospect. Matt uh, apparently is a little bit taller than Kyle. Like I've seen Matt listed at seven feet, seven one. Duke has not really recruited him that much yet. Uh, he, he's more like a mid-major kind of player. Matt's gotten offers from East Carolina, San Diego, Iona, a lot of mid-majors like that. Um, seems like smaller schools are focused on him. He got offers from, from Pitt and Illinois last fall, but, but it, it doesn't seem like they're, you know, super involved with him at the moment. Uh, but it could be interesting to see if Duke, you know, if Matt Filipowski wants to play with his brother, maybe he comes to Duke as well. And, and I would think he's the kind of guy who, you know, probably doesn't have an impact immediately, but could develop into something fairly good down the road. Um, he, he's not as fluid and mobile and as skilled as, as Kyle is. But, but Matt Filipowski is not a bad ball player. He, he plays on the same elite uh, AAU team that Kyle does. Um, and he averages about six points and four rebounds per game for that team um, with, you know, with considerably less playing time than Kyle gets. So so just keep an eye on that. That could be an interesting development in this as, as things move along, especially as you pointed out, Sam, Duke has a lot of big man minutes next year. Um, perhaps Matt Filipowski files, follows Kyle and, and helps fill some of
0: those. It's sort of a... Mason Plumley and Miles Plumley situation a little bit different but but if you remember back to that Mason a year behind Miles committed first to Duke Miles was was going to be committing to uh, was still going like power five but he was I think originally committed to Stanford and then and then decommitted sort of ironically when Trent Johnson left Stanford and Johnny Dawkins came in as the head coach Miles ended up decommitting and, and then coming to Duke but really on the heels of mason having already committed so uh could be a could be a, a fun situation like that and as we said looking ahead at recruiting the one other big name to keep an eye on this weekend is Derek whitehead he announces on sunday so we will be back to talk about him certainly if he's if he's picking duke we're going to take a quick break now though but when we come back we will get into all things duke related for the nba draft we'll talk about Jalen johnson we'll talk about dj stewart and we'll talk about Matthew Hurt. So stick around for that. We're back and we're going to talk NBA draft. I think in a, in a normal year, the last few years, we would be leading any episode right after the NBA draft with all of the Duke news, but this year, not quite as fun as it has been in prior years. So we'll run it down very quickly. There's not a ton of news, but Jalen Johnson, who I think coming into school was was somewhere around top 10-ish, maybe right outside the top 10, he goes 20th to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Jason's team, who, who now have now have two Dukies with uh, with Cam Reddish being a rising star for them. So we'll talk about Jalen. But then we also need to talk, I think, a little bit more about Matthew Hurt and DJ Stewart, both of whom went undrafted last night. Matthew Hurt, by all accounts or by many accounts of, of folks who are who are draft experts saying that he was one of the best prospects left on the board at the end of the night and uh, and a guy that we were talking about i think when when we were discussing matthew hurt we were talking about the the over under slot for him being number 40 pick in the draft and obviously didn't even go in the top 60 dj stewart i think most of us sort of expected that he wouldn't get drafted i i think i i i sort of threw in a prediction that he would get drafted just for the fun of it but um, but he wasn't drafted either. Uh, he was selected by the Sacramento Kings to participate in, in their summer camp, but I want to start with Jalen Johnson very quickly. So Jason, uh, as our resident Atlanta Hawks, uh, fan and expert, uh, how do you feel about Jalen Johnson coming to the Hawks?
1: I mean, from a standpoint of a Hawks fan, I'm, I'm thrilled, uh, from the standpoint of a Duke fan, you know, I would have liked Jalen to go a little bit earlier because most people had pegged him as a lottery, uh, level kind of talent. And he, he slipped to 20, but, um, my, my, my Atlanta Hawks are quite quite pleased, I think, that he was there available for them at number 20. You know, it's an interesting situation on the Hawks because this is a team that um, if you assume that they re-sign John Collins, which most folks think that the Hawks and John Collins are going to get something worked out. John Collins is a restricted free agent. Um, if they re-sign John Collins, you know, there isn't a ton of room on the Hawks roster. Um, they they are pretty solid um, at, at virtually every position on the floor, um, not just at starter, but, but in terms of too deep, you know, in terms of having a, a backup at, at virtually every one of those positions. And we're talking about a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals and, and was one of the better teams in the NBA the back half of last season. So Jalen would not be walking into a situation where there's a lot of need for him. Um, but I think that's OK, because, you know, as a young guy, as a guy who frankly didn't play a lot of basketball for Duke. He's going to need some time to develop. I mean, it may even be that, despite being a first-round draft pick, that Jalen Johnson spends some time working on his game in the G League. I wouldn't be shocked if that happens to him this year. Um, and the the Hawks are a team that has shown a really good draft sense in recent years. Um, uh, the, the the past four years, the Atlanta Hawks have not had a single first-round miss. I don't think in the actually, wait, I think they drafted Omari Spellman at the very, very end of the first round a few years ago. But other than that, they've drafted six other guys in the first round and every single one of those guys are starters or solid, solid rotation contributors to the current Atlanta Hawks team, which look, the the NBA draft, even when you're drafting kind of high, can be a crapshoot. The Hawks have done a great job and, and the reason the Hawks made the Eastern Conference Finals is because they've done such a good job of drafting recently so the fact that they saw Jalen Johnson and wanted to take him says to me that they saw something good in him and this is a team who has shown it has real ability to develop players um you know I think Jalen Johnson's probably coming into a pretty decent situation he's not gonna be asked to do a lot he's gonna be asked to work on things a lot and um and playing for a good team you know I I I like it as a spot for him. I think it's a nice landing place for him. There are a lot of other programs that could have picked him up where you would have been like, eh, I don't know. Hawks have a good organization and, and the right kind of locker room, I think, for Jalen Johnson to succeed.
0: And, and they already have a good roster, so they're not going to be relying on him early to be to be producing a ton, which, you know, say what you will about about his season this year at Duke. One of the things I think that that may have gotten to him were the expectations that, that he was the most talented player on the team and didn't seem quite ready for that challenge yet. So him being able to go up against uh, some some really strong NBA talent in practice and and develop his game is probably going to be better for him in the long run than having gone to uh, maybe a worse team. Because the Hawks are, are are, you know, title contenders, if not, if not, you know, right on the right on the doorstep there. Uh that might be a perfect opportunity for Jalen to to kind of rehab a little bit and and get himself um, focused and 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 become the elite player that I think we we believe he's capable of. That he just didn't have um, sort of he, he wasn't he wasn't in that mindset this year at school. And so hopefully Duke fans can be proud of him one day for for having overcome whatever challenges he had this season in Durham. And and I did see, by the way, if you're wondering should we even be talking about him that Duke Ben's basketball was uh, was tweeting about him last night was, was fired up for his selection. And so it seems like they're, they're still supporting him in that regard. I don't know if that's just PR because he was the only Duke guy that was getting drafted, but um, but good to see that, that the Duke program is still uh, giving love to Jalen Johnson. So, so I guess we'll, we'll continue to root for him in that regard.
1: Yeah. Uh, th- look there, I, I, I know there, I mean, God, it's crazy. I know there are some you know, Duke fans out there who are like, "Oh, you know, he, he he left the team, Jalen Johnson, so he doesn't count as as part of the Duke program or something silly like that." It it's 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 just bunk. I mean, the NBA introduced him as a player from Duke. Um, you know, when he walked out, you know, in his outfit at the beginning of the night, um, the NBA said, you know, a forward from Duke. When they announced that he was drafted, they said, you know. Uh, Jalen Johnson from Duke University, uh, all the highlights they showed were Duke university highlights uh, he He's part of the Brotherhood he's someone who's representing duke and and this notion that that he should be excluded in some way because he left the team to me is i don't know i, I, I don't I don't buy it I mean look I, I'm not going to root for him as hard as I might root for some other guys I, I, you know of course um, i'm not thrilled with the decision he made but He's still a Dukey,
0: so so there you go. All right, let's talk about the Duke players who uh, I, I think we were a little bit more emotionally invested in, but who may not have had as good a night. I'll start with DJ Stewart, who didn't go drafted, but uh, as we mentioned, is is on the Sacramento Kings summer camp roster. And the NBA, um, the NBA's approach to scouting and development has changed a lot in recent seasons. Where if you went undrafted, it was it was unlikely that you were going to be uh, joining a an NBA team at any point in your career. Nowadays, I think they've taken a, a much more holistic approach to to drafting and development. So, Jason, can you tell me what DJ Stewart's contract situation means for him, and how likely it is that he will get to play for the Kings at some point, either this season or or next year? I, uh,
1: look, the second half of that question um, is impossible to answer until he until he plays for them a little bit and they see what kind of player he is. But he signed a trade a training camp contract with them, which means that, um, yes, he will, I'm sure he'll play on the King's Summer League team. And and then he'll go to training camp and, and he'll be given a chance to to make the team in some way. Now, I, I don't expect, he would have to play really, really well. Um, and there would have to be some sort of strange things going on with Sacramento's roster for DJ Stewart to make the, the, the team as a full-time NBA player. But there's a real opportunity for him on the Sacramento Kings in terms of a two-way contract, which is one of these contracts where you play some of the year in the G League and some of the year in the NBA, and and you can make you can make up to about a half a million dollars on a two-way deal. So those deals are not a bad way to go. Um, he has not officially signed a two-way contract yet. the The Sacramento Kings have only one two-way contract holdover from last year. That is Kyle Guy, formerly of the University of Virginia, and and so. Uh, uh, it's not a sure thing that they will keep Kyle guy on a two way, but, but the fact that the Kings don't have guys already taking up their two way contracts is a good thing for DJ Stewart. It means there's some room on the roster there for him. The other thing is the, the Kings, there are a lot of teams that had a, a bunch of, of draft picks in this draft. The Kings only had two draft picks in the draft. So they didn't pick up a lot of other young guys in addition to DJ Stewart um, and and there's only one other guy that so far they have signed to a training camp invite, and that is Matt Coleman, um, a former Duke recruit who who played for four years at Texas. Um, uh, to some extent, it it maybe looks like DJ Stewart and Matt Coleman will sort of be battling for um, you know one of the two way contracts that, that the Kings are are going to be willing to to give out perhaps. So um, so you know he and Matt Coleman will be in camp together. Uh, and and whichever one of them performs better, uh, presumably that's who the Sacramento Kings will be looking at potentially for a two-way contract. So again, I think DJ's in as good a situation as he could have imagined. He's also, by the way, much younger than Matt Coleman, uh, and, and the Sacramento Kings don't have a lot of teenager kind of guys on their roster. They don't even have 20-year-olds on the roster. The Kings are actually a little bit older. Um, so the fact that DJ is so young, they may want to keep around a guy who has that potential label of being really young. I, I, I didn't expect DJ to be in, in this good a situation the day after the draft as he is being you know, one of the two players that Sacramento Kings have identified in the wake of the draft as a guy they want to bring into camp and, and on a team that doesn't have two-way contracts already taken up by other players. It's, it's actually a surprisingly good landing spot for, for DJ Stewart.
0: I'm not surprised that he found his way into a good situation. First of all, because he's a Duke guy, and and the connections all over the league are, are only helping players, especially guys like him who are sort of in between. They're not specifically coveted by by teams. They're not at the top of the draft board, but uh, the, there's a lot of ability for the the Duke network to get um, to get guys into the right situations. But also, that DJ Stewart seems like. From what we can tell, a player who is very productive but also has a great attitude and and knows he, he he seems like a smart guy and and managed to find his way into a situation where hopefully he gets a lot of looks and and is potentially able to carve out a role for himself. We've talked when we talked to Jay Billet. We said uh, that, that it was going to be hard for DJ to carve out an NBA career just given his, his size and skills. But uh, if he's in a situation where he can develop a lot and, and a team can give him a lot of attention, hopefully um, he can turn that into a, into a nice NBA career. The last player that we need to highlight, unfortunately, is Matthew Hurt, who I know there were some, some uh, very obvious flaws of, of his uh, game and his physique going into the draft. But my kind of look at it, was that Matthew Hurt was, if nothing else, an elite shooter, and that being an elite shooter is a is a skill highly coveted by every NBA team these days. That that if you are Matthew Hurt's size, if you're a six ten guy who can shoot uh, can shoot three pointers reliably, that there's a place for you in the NBA. And as of uh, 11 a.m. Eastern on the day after the draft, there is not yet a place for Matthew Hurt in the NBA. So so I, I think Jason the the sort of top level analysis would be that teams are scared off by his lack of athleticism and defense. So, so what do you think is the, is the outlook for him right now, knowing that it's now been basically 12 hours since the draft ended and we haven't gotten any news on him yet?
1: Well, I I don't know that it means that teams haven't reached out to him. I think it may just mean that he and his agent are, are biding their time and trying to decide what offer they will take, because I have to believe with his shooting ability that, that there have been teams that have reached out to Matthew Hurt about coming in and playing summer league and going to their um, going to their training camp and, and trying to make the team or or at least earn a, a two way contract. Um, uh, I, I, my bet is, you know, in the next day or two, we will we will get word of of who Matthew Hurt has signed with. Um, I, I'll tell you the team that I would sort of be be looking at. Uh, it's it's the Los Angeles Lakers because the Lakers just traded away many of their players to get Russell Westbrook. The the Lakers currently only have, wait for it, four players under contract. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and Mark Gasol. Those are the only players that the Los Angeles Lakers have under contract at the moment. And and so they need to fill up their roster. And, And I'm sure that they are expecting to fill up much of that roster with NBA veterans, guys who are very experienced and who are willing to take the the minimum salary in their pursuit of, of a ring because the Lakers are going to be one of the leading contenders for the NBA title next year. But but the Lakers are also probably going to have to fill up some of those slots with, with young guys, uh, draft picks, or perhaps undrafted guys. And, and we've already seen the Lakers be very busy in – in undrafted free agents, uh, Joel Ayayi from Gonzaga has signed with the Lakers. Aaron Henry from Michigan State has signed with the Lakers. Mack McClung played at Georgetown, played at Texas Tech. There, are a bunch of guys who who went undrafted who've already signed with the Lakers because everyone recognizes this is a roster where they're going to have some spots. Um, I don't know who Matthew Hurt is talking to. There hasn't been any talk or rumors about who he's talking to, but but. I, you know, I'll take a stab in the dark and say it's very possible that that uh, I think he could be a decent fit on the Lakers. And I don't know that he makes the team, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever heard. the, the Lakers need, you need shooting; they yeah, need just shooting. To say
0: They and they need they need uh, large, warm bodies to to fill up space on that roster right now. Yep. So I, I think that would be a that would be a great fit for him. Would slot him into a title can, contender immediately, which would be pretty cool for for hurt. I think that that there are a lot of places where he could develop and grow, especially because he's shown so much maturity around being able to work on his own, on his game that I'm, I'm not worried about, a team eventually realizing like, Oh, there's actually a lot of talent there. And and even though there are parts of his game that are missing, we could, we could work with this kid and and we could, we could really make him better. So we'll, we'll certainly talk about Matthew Hurt uh, if, and when he he signs with a team Uh, he's a player that I I think there's a, there's a wide range of potential outcomes on his NBA career that uh, may be really fun to follow. Let's uh, finish up here. We've got a couple other just quick topics I want to talk about. Uh, first is that uh, Duke women's basketball head coach Kara Lawson won a gold medal. She's she's a uh, multi-time gold medalist with as a player for USA women's basketball, but she's got one now as a coach. Well, te- uh, technically,
1: three. technically the coaches don't actually receive a gold medal,
0: exactly. But but, yeah. but but she's 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 earned she's helped her team earn the gold yes. medal uh, as the coach of the three on three women's uh, USA women's team at the Olympics. So that was that was pretty cool to see, Jason. Did you watch? Uh, any of those games any any thoughts on on three on three basketball
1: yeah I, I did watch a little bit of it. the women's three on three I kind of like the men's three on three I just couldn't get past the fact that these guys sucked they were terrible <laughs> it just wasn't any fun to watch the men's three on three but the the women's three on three I enjoyed and there was a great quote from uh, from one of the players on the on the women's three on three team Kelsey Plum who who played four years at Washington um, she's currently in the WNBA but Kelsey Plum played four years at Washington and when she left Washington, she was, and she still is today, the all-time scoring leader in women's basketball. This is the woman who scored more points than anyone in the history of women's NCAA basketball. And Kelsey Plum said about playing for Kara Lawson in the three-on-three, she said, if I could go back in time, I would play for Coach Kara. Uh, that's uh, that, what a wonderful statement to make. What a great endorsement of, of this woman who's currently leading the Duke program. My bet is that Kara Lawson got a whole lot of, of publicity and, um, and PR help for Duke women's basketball by, by her role she played with the three-on-three program. I, I'm sure that there are elite recruits out there who were watching some of the three-on-three and watched the way Kara Lawson was able to lead that team and have heard what the players, the players have just raved. You know, Kelsey Plum wasn't the only one. To rave about uh, about playing for Coach Kara, so so I think I, I think this was a really really good thing for for Duke basketball and and for Kara Lawson to to be able to take this role with with the U.S. Olympic team and and to lead them to a gold medal.
0: Yeah, very cool, and 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 to get that kind of feedback is also is also very fun because of course uh, Coach Lawson is is still um, in the early stages of of building her career here at Duke. The one other piece of news and 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 we don't need to. To linger on this for too long, but uh, if switching to the football side Duke running back Matteo Durant, who has been a, a very productive bright spot for the Blue Devils offense, uh, despite a lot of other struggles last year was named uh, to the preseason all ACC team, uh, he was the only Duke player mentioned Duke is, is not uh, highly regarded by the ACC media in, in its projections for uh, uh, coastal division performance this year duke is projected to finish last in the coastal but mateo durant gets a shout out for for first team all acc so uh hopefully that is uh that that is a, a bright spot for the blue devils this season right jason
1: oh yeah yeah uh, look uh, let's be clear this means that the acc writers picked mateo durant as one of the two best running backs in the entire acc i mean that's a <laughs> that's big pretty deal. good that's awesome yeah So very excited for for his season. Hey, Sam, I wanted to mention one more thing about the NBA really quick. Yes. Mason Plumlee on the move. Um, The Detroit Pistons traded Mason Plumlee to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, It was primarily a salary cap clearing kind of move by the Pistons. Mason's due about 16 million over the next couple of years. And um, they wanted to to, uh, clear out some cap space. I think they also wanted to make more room for Isaiah Stewart. Um, who, who is a young guy on Detroit that they think has a bright future. But I, I think Mason's in a great situation here in Charlotte, both Cody Zeller and Bismarck Biambo, who are the two centers for Charlotte are, are, are both free agents. And, and there's, there's a pretty decent chance Charlotte will not bring them back. So I think Mason, um, he, he was a starter on the Pistons, but he was largely splitting time with, um, with Isaiah Stewart. Uh, I, I think he goes to Charlotte and he's absolutely being penciled in as the starting center for the Charlotte Hornets, um, uh, and, and and I think you know he gets to return to his uh, to his North Carolina roots, so uh, so that'll be nice for him. Um, uh, and by the way, uh, he he can perhaps do a little bit of mentoring of Vernon Carey, who is also on the Charlotte Hornets roster.
0: Yeah, weird, a uh, little bit of a weird sort of salary uh, reconfiguration there for Detroit. I know it sort of looks like Mason Plumlee is basically just getting getting dumped and and, and being. And the, the Pistons are being paid for it, but um, that, that's kind of the way that the NBA contracts work. So uh, yeah, it'd be, it's cool to see him uh, paired up with with Vernon Carey. Hopefully they can they can both uh, work with each other, and and we'll get some we'll get some good little uh, Duke in the NBA Nuggets maybe out of out of that pairing. Anyway, that will do it for episode three thirty one. Uh, again, we didn't have Donald today, but we should have him again next time. Uh, coming up, don't forget Dariq Whitehead announces on Sunday, so we'll be back to talk about that. Uh, Duke players in the NBA uh, getting drafted or moving around. Now that free agency is going to get kicked into gear, we'll 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 see some Duke guys potentially on the move. So we'll have to talk about that, and of course, any other realignment stuff that might be coming out because that is is changing every day. I think uh, we don't need to to get too deep on it, but uh, if you want to read about some high drama. Uh, all the mess that's going on between the big 12 and the sec and texas and oklahoma and espn and and the, the, there's all the intrigue in the world right now going on in college sports and at least for the moment duke doesn't have to be involved in it so it's kind of nice to be reading it all as an outsider and and just just enjoying the uh the the, the drama that's going on so um
1: hoping that we will continue to only be outsiders on this and praying that exactly
0: it yeah Ugh. Uh, Lots of lots of downside potential for for schools like Duke, which are not in the Big Ten or the SEC and not football powerhouses. So um, let's uh, let, let's hope that that things remain more the same <laughs> than that they change. But uh, we'll, we'll keep up with all of that. We'll keep up with everything. We'll keep up with you. We'll keep up with each other. We will be back very soon, I'm sure, to talk more Duke basketball in whatever capacity that news comes down the pipe. So for Jason Evans, who is here with us, for Donald Wine, who is not, but we'll be back next time. I am Sam Klein. I have been your host for episode 331 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Stay in touch with us, podcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you again soon. Duke Band, take us home.